UX Podcast Episode 56. You're listening to UX Podcast brought to you from Stockholm, Sweden. For people passionate about balancing business, technology and users within the realm of digital media. Helping you break down silos, here are your hosts, James Royal Lawson and Per Axboom. So many instructions for me to follow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to UX Podcast. This is the pre-jam, conversion jam... Jam. Jam. <laughs> conversion Clinic. Conversion Clinic podcast episode. Before the day of the conversion jam, you're listening to me, Per Axboom. And me, James Royal Lawson. I think it's episode 56. I think so. Minus one. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And uh, we're standing in front of a live audience for the first time of this podcast's history, which is kind of cool. Ooh! <laughs> yes! And that is not recorded. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can play that again in a minute. Yes, I will. I'm going to play that all yeah. over again many times. <laughs> so, that was us going crazy at the pre-jam for Conversion Jam 3. Yeah, we um, we managed to organise a um, a meetup the night before Conversion Jam. Um, very short notice, mm. excellent fun. Um, Forty people or so um, turned up for that event, and um, we had yeah, that was fantastic. Three speakers, um, two of which um, we're going to be talking to later on in the show. Mm. Um, but rather than going to details of what happened at the pre-jam, because if you want, you can watch that and listen to it online. I'll put the bamboozle link. Oh yeah, the do that. Perfect. Yeah. But um, we um, we talked to four of the speakers at um, Conversion Jam Three, mm-hmm. uh, optimizing um, a conversion conference here in Stockholm. About three hundred and fifty delegates, I think. Oh yeah, it's pretty big for mm. a Swedish conference about just conversion optimization. Yeah, for the size of Sweden, it's mm. a it's a big gathering and um, always a really we were there last year and it's a really fun, mm. exciting day. Um, but we're talking to. Um, Craig Sullivan. Craig Sullivan. Our f- a long-time favorite guest of mm-hmm. us here on the show. Um, Torn Vesling. Yep, Torn Vesling. Um, Brian Massey. Brian Massey. And to finish off, we'll be talking to uh, Natalie Nahal. Nahai, yeah. Nahai. Yep. Yeah. So, cue the first interview. Go, go, go. Hello, and we're live. Uh, we're standing here at Conversion Jam. It's uh, Tuesday. What what date is tenth. it? The tenth of September. Yes, <laughs> twenty thirteen. Excellent. Uh, you're listening to me, Pat Axbom. Me, James Royal Lawson, and, and me, me, Craig Sullivan. Yes, or die. Exactly. And Craig has become the first person ever to appear three times on your oh, podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Three Excellent. times. Is there some? Is there a loyalty program here? Should, no, mate. <laughs> Maybe you should say it. Should have thought of a price. If we'd written, <laughs> uh, we written a book, you could have a copy of it. I yeah. love. I love coming here. I love Stockholm. I love the buzz about this conference. Mm. It's really well attended. I mean, for the, 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 the amount of people in this country to get this many people in a room all uh, in a buzz with conversion is, is, is pretty good going. So I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. I That's why I keep coming back. plus um, you know, optimizers yeah. here today, I think. It's, it's really, really packed. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've just done your presentation. You've just come off stage. And I, I, I really like your presentations, Craig, because they're always full of really practical 
you know, go Thank out you. and do it um, tips. And that's what uh, most people want from presentations. Exactly. They want stuff I, I mean, they can go I just wanted with. your slides now so I can go through all the hundreds of tools you just mentioned that yeah, I, I mean, want to try I, I out. Was, I was typing like an idiot here. I've got <laughs> loads of the names of products written down. To I think, I think one, of, one of the interesting things that I didn't talk uh, um, a great deal about in the deck was how badly broken a lot of the analytics configurations are mm -hmm. out there. So really big names, uh, I can't mention who they are, but some big brands that have huge holes or were looking at entirely the wrong data mm -hmm. and I just it's just been a surprise for me this year to see so many people running their business off data that isn't right it would be like if the fuel gauge was wrong in your car you'd just be running out of petrol all the time it would get really annoying so we try and avoid problems like that in the real world but yet we don't invest enough in our analytics so that's mm -hmm. been a really big lesson for this year. Yeah, I think just that with broken analytics is is just frightening how often it happens. I've just I've just done some work as well where I start. You've I, just been looking at some broken <laughs> analytics. I, did, I mean, you get you get you get, you get a, a job to do some um, analysis yeah. to give some meaningful feedback and, and insights to a client, and what happens is you basically burn half the money or all the kind of time working out what yeah. the hell's wrong and then explaining yeah. to them what's wrong and they don't get any insights because mm. you couldn't do anything other than show um, them this is what you need to do to fix this. I'll mm. come back next year. One of these days I'm going to write an article. I've had to learn this year how to get data out of completely broken configurations that have no goals or any other setups mm. uh, happening. Mm -hmm. um, so I've actually had to become an expert in wringing data out of complete lost causes. And that, that's, that's an interesting yeah. That's an interesting skill to learn, and mm. it's one that I would like to, to pass on to other people because if you're looking at a funnel and the funnel's misconfigured, you could be reaching all the wrong conclusions. So sometimes when I sense that the data isn't right, I will actually build up manual models yeah. of funnel data and where people are going. Uh, and being able to do that makes me a little bit more comfortable that I'm relying upon you know, my brain and not somebody else's configuration. Mm. But th that wasn't really fun to have to learn that skill. It was, um, it was, it was a bit painful. But, mm. you know, <laughs> a, a lot of people think because the tools are free, they can get away with not investing in them. You know, it's a bit like saying, yeah. why do we need to buy a till? You know, a piece of paper will do mm. fine. We just write down all the sales and what they were for. And at the end of the day, we just add them up. Great, mm -hmm. eh? You just saved money on a till, except mm. it doesn't work mm. like that. You actually have to put some love. Your analytics needs love and investment. Please give it some. And it also, you need to, with analytics tools, you also need to understand what you're looking at. And this is one of the biggest problems I see with free tools like Google Analytics and even the other ones, the big name um, um, tools, that managers, normal people out there, are looking at these reports and they think they know what they say. Mm. They look at and it and see visits. Drawing the they wrong conclusions. Know what, yeah, they yeah. think they know what a visit is. They think they know what mm. bounce rate means and so on. Mm. Time on site. And, and when it comes down to it, they actually don't know the details. And yeah. details are important yeah. with these tools because they're computers recording facts according to zeros and ones. It's not kind of fuzzy, oh, this is roughly what it means. There's yeah. something behind there that is definition. Your, your investment needs to be in, in the tool, of course, and in how it's instrumented. But actually, you mustn't forget the people part. If you are actually doing continual training of your staff and your analytics, and you're continually improving the analytics, you're, you're creating a loop where people are trying to always make the data better for themselves. 
and they're also seeing the results of improving the data continually, and it creates a cycle of continually getting better and better stuff out. It makes people interested in the data. Once you have people look at a report and say, wait a minute, that that's, doesn't add up, or it doesn't compare to some other data I've got, people then start to lose trust, and it means that they will then give up on the analytics data. Right. So uh, you, you need to be investing in people as well. If you're not training yeah. people on how to... Uh, get actionable insight out of analytics stats, then you know you could have the best fighter uh, pilot head-up display in the world, but the thing is still going to crash all the time because it, people are not reading the data correctly. Right, and I'm also seeing a huge responsibility for the people who are building the websites, the the bureaus, the consultants. They're not telling their clients to measure up front. Yeah. It's like you're re remembering to measure afterwards. Yeah. You're doing it straight, straight up from the front when you're one launching of, your website. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons this year, I was working for a client who used Google event tracking on their site. And a lot of us are fixated on pages. They say a person went to page A, and then they went to page B, and then they went to page C. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's BS because actually they went to page A, and then they chose the sort control, and then they looked at the image carousel, and then they added to wish list, and then they went to the next page. Right. So mm -hmm. I, a lot of designers and analytics people are focused on page transitions, and actually it's not about that. It's about patterns and interactions with those patterns at a micro level within the page. Mm -hmm. So I really want to know if people have filtered or chosen a size or looked through the images mm -hmm. on a holiday or done these kind of things. I'm, I'm not interested at the page level because it's, it's skipping a lot of that detail yeah, of stuff yeah. that happens inside the page. And when I looked at a really well set up um, event tracking site, uh, for Google this year, um, it actually gave me far better insight than a page model because it was telling me about what people were doing and what those actions were mm -hmm. driving in terms of revenue. And that's the first time I've seen a good setup like that, and I was impressed. So my, my, my advice here to people is have a look into Google event tracking because it will get you away from being bound up by that page model. This mm -hmm. is excellent advice because I, I think this is great for um, anyone out there with a website with interaction. If you aren't keeping track of, of interaction events, you have holes in your data and you don't know oh, what's absolutely. going on. And you know, with interaction designers mm. and, and UXers, mm. you know, you, you're coming out with these mm. um, designs with, with interaction there mm. and then you're not measuring it. And you mentioned no some really cool, cheap tools actually to measure this stuff and record screens like mm. Clicktail and mm. other tools. Session cam. So, yeah. yeah, so there, yeah. I mean, it's a no-brainer to actually start using it. Mm. And you yeah. see the, the benefit of it so soon. So it's one of those... Start measuring small, see the benefits of measuring, and realize, wow, if we measure like this all the time, imagine all the stuff we could do. Yeah. And all but the buying we could get from management as well. Stand up and do it. Don't give in and um, yeah. let it go by. And take a lesson from retail here. If, if you look at any good department store, um, what do they do with the window? Okay. Do they keep adding more stuff to the window over the course of the year and mm -hmm. not taking stuff out? Or do they change the whole window out? Mm -hmm. The merchandisers that put that window together know what stuff is selling, what's happening, what is driving on the sales floor. So they make every square inch of that window work for its money. Mm -hmm. And the problem with a lot of page designs is people add more stuff to the pages without checking whether the existing stuff is actually doing anything. How do you know if that feature or function you put on a year ago is actually driving any value or not? Right. Take the goddamn thing off. And this is why um, uh, what James said was important, because if you measure those interactions, you'll be able to tell stuff that people actually care about and are using, and stuff that people are mm -hmm. not using. So, mm -hmm. you know, 
take a leaf out of retail, make those shop windows actually work and make every pixel on that, that page actually pay for its keep. And if it's not doing that, take the damn thing off. <laughs> I've got to um, try and keep this within 10 minutes or so. But I, I want to, I've got a question. Towards the end of your presentation, you mentioned um, that you've been working with um, um, a hair salon chain in the UK uh, recently. And you, asked, you said, come and ask you if you want to know what you did. Yeah. Now, can you give us just a little insight on what you did for, was it Rush, um, Rush, Rush Hair? Rush Hair, yeah. yeah. Um, well, what we did there is we used the analytics data to predict where the biggest money flows and losses were in the site. So it was a hypothesis. We said, look, out of all the things that we can fix in this site, these ones have traffic and bad conversion. And we were able to make an estimate. So we went to the board and actually presented a plan that was based around the money that we expected to get from each of those things. And they, they, they laughed because they said, oh, my God, this is the first time we've ever seen a, a, a spending plan, a project plan that actually has the money amounts for what you're expecting to get back on this stuff mm. against it. We like this. Mm. Um, and that we actually exceeded the predictions. But it wasn't just like one or two tests. It was a mixture of JFDI, UX testing, doing the analytics data, um, you know, making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of changes across the entire site. So, you know, often when you're doing these presentations, it looks really easy what you've done. But actually, this was an immense amount of work over those six months. But, you know, their ROI on the work is probably about 40 times the entire budget for all the tools and software and consultancy time that was involved in building the whole thing. So to go from where they were to where they are now in six months, the, the phone conversion I'm particularly pleased of because mm. by having mm. local phone numbers, even if for a national call center, increases conversion around 30% at least. That's pretty amazing oh, wow. for it me. Because it puts you more in touch yeah, with people people like, feel like that's So you think you're calling the salon and when they answer, they say, oh, you know, this is a particular salon and they answer it in that way. You have no idea you're calling the call center. Center, right. but more people call us and then also making the phone number freaking really big and prominent <laughs> yeah. and easy to see and in a, a, a different and contrasting color from the rest of the website also making sure that that phone number is visible even in the smallest viewports coming to our mm. site um all of those kind of changes got the phone up so i i, I was happy with the lift that i got of like 70 percent on the conversions, but I'm even more happy with the lift that I got on phone because to squeeze an extra 60% out on phone traffic um, is, is pretty good. So we're very happy. Were, were Rush Hair, were, were they pretty clear about what their goals with the website were before yeah. they came to you? They were, to, to increase the, 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 the revenue and the calls that they were getting. Yeah. Indeed, mm. they, they sent me some targets, and one of the things that I, I did with them is they, they actually agreed uh, to, to hold back a, a considerable kind of chunk of my fee um, based on a performance target. So they said, well, how, how about you put your money where your mouth is? And I was, I was confident <laughs> oh, wow. enough Excellent. to put that on the line. So I, I basically uh, held back 20% of what I would... Uh, be getting paid yeah. uh, and they escrowed it for me and I was only ever going to get that money if I met those targets boy did I work hard <laughs> oh yeah that's oh, an excellent way of working we talked yeah. about it before I've never dared to do it no, no. maybe on, next time man. I'll get them to add 20% on rather than exactly. take 20% yeah. off exactly. but hey yeah. I'll have that conversation <laughs> later it's, it's an excellent way of working yeah. if, if you've got clear goals on both yeah. sides then you can do that and I think that's one of the mm. problems sometimes is that you get clients that they're not quite at that stage of being able to go 
we're going to mm. we want to re- um, increase contact conversion or mm. you know phone number ringing. That's come straight to you and it fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, I have more questions for you. I'm not sure. We're, we're going to have to cut off there. You want to get some coffee? I guess. Well, yeah, I, I do. I, want, I, I do. Want a cup of tea as well. <laughs> well. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the uh, of today. I'll yeah. be looking forward we'll, to hearing we'll, the other we'll be podcasts. Talking to you later as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Craig. Thank you. And we're back for take two. You're listening to me, Pax Boom. Me, James Roy Lawson, and <laughs> Don Wessling from the Netherlands. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Uh, we just forgot to press the record button, but we're back again. We did. And, <laughs> and Don, you've just come off stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair for your talk. And you've got a gift from. I've got jam John. from John. Yeah. Cloudberry jam. You've yeah. been given a little jar of it. Now I can tell you, it's, it's absolutely excellent. Uh, but what is it? Because I, I saw John cooking it last night mm. with a, on a picture on Twitter. It, to me, it's, it seemed like pasta or something. It's, 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 <laughs> it's made from berries, and they only grow in like the very north of Scotland and Scandinavia. And uh, I can, my, my tip for this is is that you should get some some pastry and some mature cheese, and you make parcels, cheese parcels with the pastry. Put them in the oven for maybe ten fifteen minutes, and then serve them warm with this um, this jam. Absolutely gorgeous dessert. I can also keep some in, in, in this pot. When you come off to the Netherlands, you can make it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on ice cream. I love it on ice cream, so try that as well. Uh, I'll try to optimize it and, and see if it fits also something else. I'm going to try your recipes and, and create a new one. And, and you need to get more jars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gotten more. And we turn into a cookery podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so thanks so much for being here. You're off uh, stage right now. You were talking about, of course, psychology, persuasion, how to make users do what you want. And we're starting to realize that coming into this, and you, it's not really self-evident what works and what does not work. So how is it possible to even plan a website uh, beforehand, it's, knowing that you're starting measuring and everything will it's, be... It's not. It's, not, it's not, also not, mm. not persuading people what you want them to do. Mm. It's to understand what they want to do ah. and help them with it. Excellent and, and, point. And of course, mm. you, you should just go live with your website, release fast, release mm. often, create something new, put it live, it works or it doesn't, and when it doesn't work, you optimize it. Yeah. Well, just before we started recording, um, me and Pear were talking about wireframes, and I was bringing up the fact that mm. wireframes, they're, they're just a conversation starter. We've got to get away from them as soon as you possibly can and start um, prototyping or releasing real websites, mm. real pages, because... You've got to get the data. You don't know until you see real data. We only use wireframes um, uh, in the middle. When you put your website live, start optimizing. Mm. When you start optimizing, you start optimizing these little parts, the, the button and the picture yeah. and the headline and shuffling around, adding mm. some psychology. Mm. And after like five or six optimizations, your, your page, your landing page, your website looks a bit out of balance. Mm. And then it's time with all those learnings to combine them. And then you have to think, okay, where should I place what? How should I add in design with those learnings I have? And then we use wireframes mm. to, to recreate the page. Then we have right. a new page and then we start optimizing again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the, the small iterations and then every now and then you take a slightly a, a big bigger step, iteration, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. avoiding preferably the complete redesign. Yeah, of course. Is that of course. just energy? I've been in so many redesign projects like, like years and years ago. And the energy level of a team mm. every day drops and drops mm. and drops yeah. and drops until it's, it's way in the basement. Mm. And this, when the site goes live, it, it doesn't look pretty or doesn't work or mm. Mm. stop doing redesign. So just get it out there. That's a really good point as well about um, um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, yep. uh, as in with optimization and, and tweaking and seeing figures rise or mm. results rise there and then. If you only spend two days on designing something instead mm. of two months, it goes. if it doesn't work, 
it doesn't really matter. It was just two days. Mm. And if you spend all your energy for two months in a project and it goes live, yeah. it fails. Mm. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, it does. You can have a very motivated team if you keep letting them do small mm. changes, tweaks, and showing them results, yeah. showing how good it is. Right. Yes. That's why the whole agile operation is, is going, at least in the Netherlands, mm. very big. And mm. it's all lean and all small steps and all the Toyota way and Kaizen mm. and all different mm. types of terms you have for it. Mm. So it's not about persuading the user to do what you want them to do, but you did go, give some examples that seem counterintuitive sometimes. You show like light boxes, but you don't really show any information in light box. You just want to engage people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you show the, I think, like the cookie example, where you actually have to click that you accept the cookies and go to the site, or you have to click the advanced settings, yeah. which most users, of course, don't want to do. So you're using some sorts of tricks, actually, to... Yeah, the, 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 the cookie part is a bit mm -hmm. black art persuasion, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but just, it, our cookie law is stupid in the Netherlands with, with having <laughs> oh, this opt-in mm -hmm. stuff. And of course, it is. I, I don't, I don't want to have this advertising cookie mm -hmm. too, retargeting, but mm -hmm. I, I, I do want to have the analytics mm -hmm. cookie because I know it helps people improving their website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it, it's not black and white, but so it, that's a bit black art persuasion mm -hmm. to persuade people to do what they, <laughs> they're not, mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing because they're opting in for something mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty big it's like mm. okay you can place every cookie you want on my computer yeah. and before that we just placed cookies and uh, yeah. well there wasn't really a law for it mm -hmm. but th that's the black side but all other sides uh, you should use these persuasion techniques to to, to help your visitor uh, it's like adding a, entering a store your mm. visitor comes into a store and he asks a question or starts looking around he wants to be served he wants to be helped mm. and the way you help him will improve your conversion rate but at least start helping then improving mm. how mm. you help them. It's, it's sales training or service training, depending mm. on which company you work for. Yeah, I mean, you like to talk about dialogue and not conversion, and I like that yeah. frame of mind, actually. Yeah, conversion is mm. quite a hard, cold-sounding yeah. <laughs> thing, but mm. dialogue's softer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, conversion mm. is, 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 is uh, changing something. And when mm. you convert something, you ch change it from A to B. Yeah. I don't want to change my customers, my mm. visitors. Mm. I just want to help them. Mm, right. Mm. I, 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 some, I think some of the things we've talking about in the examples you've given, um, they're, they're not about conversion. They're, they're about improving the, the, the flow. Yeah. Um, one of the examples there was the, um, the quick search form on the um, start yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a travel website, yeah. um, um, where it, um, the, a completely different form performed better depending on whether it was a return visitor or um, a new visitor. Yeah. And that's not conversion. That's, that there is just a, that, that, a tweaking of the journey. Yeah. Online is called targeting, but you, when I go to a store uh, and I, I, I go there for the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, they start recognizing me. Oh, hey, there's that guy again. Yeah. Mm. And we already know that he likes going to Spain. So why offer him something else? He wants right. to go to Spain. Yeah. yeah. Make and, use of what you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, but this is the stuff that makes it even more complicated. We're designing things in advance and doing too big project yeah but how do we get people to realize this <laughs> that's, about the, it? that's a tough tough part show them yeah and uh, mm -hmm. making more ux podcasts oh yeah absolutely uh, going yeah. to conferences like this <laughs> yeah. and 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 yet spread the word tell mm. what you say mm. facts and acts it, it ends with okay conversion rate mm. optimization you should combine all your learnings and mm. tell them spread them to the company yeah um and and if a company it's it, it, they're, they're always almost ready for for getting learnings in their dna mm. And when you make it in small steps, uh, it's more energetic and people will like the process and they will start learning. Yeah. And uh, don't all, uh, 
overload them with like 20 learnings at one mm. time. Mm. If you have three great learnings from one test, then you say, okay, here's one learning. Mm. And two weeks later, you say to, to everyone else in the company, here's another learning. Mm. Mm. And you have to match the mm. way how you present stuff and how you optimize the company for being a company that really exactly. optimizes the way it works. Yeah. And I think that's a big message to all our listeners who call themselves UX designers is to actually get out of the frame of mind that you think that you know what users want. Yeah. And to actually no- understand that you never know what users want until no. you actually put something <laughs> out there and see how they react. If you think that you know, mm. you're making the mistakes that every marketeer has made in the past. Yeah. Mm. It, it, you, you don't know. Mm. There are some, some main principles, mm. of course, mm. but you mm. just don't know. Yeah. Mm. Our, our entire industry is split into three distinct areas. Um, we've got transactional websites or e-commerce. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there we've seen, I mean, most of the people here today are actually mm. connected to e-commerce or transactional yep. sites and that's where the optimization is really happening yep. then we've got non-transactional websites um the the, the business card sites or mm. the, the kind of you know those, those contact sites that well maybe contact is transactional but uh, you know what i mean and then yeah. we've got the third um, part of it <coughs> um, which is the um government yeah, public sector sites <coughs> sorry mm. um where you've got a service mm. or you're, you're providing service for the people mm. you need to help them do something which is not quite conversion in the same way when you've got a business money driven. That's also direct optimization. When you look Mm. at the the Dutch tax government website, Mm -hmm. people always have questions about taxes. Mm. And what they usually do, they they go to the website, look for an answer, cannot find it, and they will call. And when they call, it will cost the the government like 20 euros. Um, So they would love that, that the people will find the answer on the website. Yeah. And it's a business case because yeah. if you can manage like yeah. reducing mm-hmm. 5% of the calls, it, it will bring millions right. and millions mm-hmm. yeah. in euros. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we've got part of the, our industry, which is just trying to do mm-hmm. return on investment. Actually, you, you get a profit by mm-hmm. doing this. We've got another chunk that we can probably say, you can mm-hmm. save loads of money by doing this. And then we've got this other bit in between where it's, it's very difficult to explain to companies management that, mm-hmm. well, you've got to work out what is your goal with your website, mm-hmm. even non-transactional Right. Like intranets as well. Uh, intranets yeah. as well. Yeah. They still need to have their goals. Mm-hmm. So can... in, in my opinion, it, it's, the, the solution is a mix between experience design or service design mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and adding value to the company. Mm. It should be a mixture of it. It really help yeah. and set the right yeah. situation for the people yeah. to buy something so the company yeah. can earn money. Because mm. in the exactly. end, it doesn't earn money. Or, uh, because you shouldn't spend money on something that you don't get value from in yeah. the end. True. Yeah. I can't stop looking at your feet because you're barefoot. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you mentioned something in the in your intro about you, that you feel more confident being barefoot speaking. Yeah, that, that, that's that's. Uh, I, I'm always optimizing. <laughs> I, I'm, and so I also also optimize my stage appearance, uh, uh, and and uh, I love the barefoot part because it, it makes you feel connected <laughs> to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead of being on the rubber and, mm. and doesn't feel mm. normal. Mm-hmm. It gives you a signature thing. Signature it does. Element. And everybody takes a picture of it. I did yesterday. At yeah, the I know. Yeah. I know. It was the most <laughs> yeah. tweeted picture from the pre-gym. Yeah. That's <laughs> always the fun thing. Okay, it doesn't yeah. matter what I say. They just look yeah. at my feet. Exactly. Yeah. So like, they um, convert. Jesper Bieland said about my monocle. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Which I don't. I don't wear really, apart from <laughs> one picture, which I took. But yeah. um, unique selling points of unique. Mm. Catch, catch lines, like a catchphrase, mm. but not. It's, it's, it's always optimizing, always optimizing. Yeah. And mm. it's, it's the same as the clothing you wear. People cannot see that on the podcast, of course, but I'm fully white-dressed, and just because I stand out in the mm. crowds mm. on a conference like mm. this, so people want to ask me questions after my presentation, yeah. they can fight me more easily. Mm. It's optimizing, optimizing, optimizing. Mm. It is. <laughs> Excellent. 
Thank you very much for joining us and yeah. waiting with your lunch for a few minutes so you could talk to us. And we're back with interview number three in this show from the Conversion Jam conference. You kind of caught me out then. You're listening to me, Pat Axbom. <laughs> and I'm James Roy Lawson. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Uh, there was um, a countdown on screen. We can't actually hear the jingles when Pear presses the buttons, so I didn't realise he'd press them. And suddenly he looked at me and started speaking. He's like, what? Hello. And we're sitting in the expert room or expert lounge, whatever is this room called. Um, meet the experts. Ah. The experts are lounging. Ah. And we're sitting here with Brian Massey. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for finding time to talk to us. <laughs> You've been quite popular in here today. Well, I, I hope so. I think people are just being nice. <laughs> and your books are sold out now. My books are sold out. Mm. That's always a good thing. I'm still bummed we didn't get any yesterday. We gave away the two that we Yeah, yeah gave we gave away to the crowd, the yeah. most important part yeah. of the uh, presentation. Very true, very true. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd be happy to send you one. So, Brian, we didn't catch you after your keynote this morning, uh, which was excellent, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I, I actually wasn't aware, really aware of what you were going to talk about, but it was about copywriting, mm-hmm. which is a subject I do love. Uh, I've written a post about Lorem Shitsum, about how we in our interaction designs use text that really isn't mm. – well, it doesn't say anything. It's Lorem Ipsum text, which mm-hmm. I tend to call Lorem Shitsum. Uh, and the, the theme of today I think has been that if we don't really design sites straight up the way we want them to look and feel and the, with the content we want, want them to have, mm. how can we actually produce wireframe after wireframe and have any idea that they're going to work? Why do we assume that, assume that those things work that we've been doing for so many years? Yeah, and uh, you know, I think in my keynote, the first thing I really wanted to do was define what copy is because too mm. many of us think it is, of it as the words. So we design the website mm. and they say, oh, we need words in this space and words in this space. At that point, it's completely disjointed. Oh, well, then it's too late already because if you've got spaces you're trying to fill. Exactly. Mm. So, uh, so uh, copy includes the images, includes the fonts, the spacing. So there's a certain mm. UX piece of it mm-hmm. that needs to be taken into account. So if you've got copy and as part of the copy there needs to be a graph or a, a table of, of features, that needs to be known ahead of time because mm. that's going to fundamentally change the design of the page. Mm. So when you start with a copy – uh, you're going to have a much more powerful a- approach, and all the pages can be related. You're you're coming at it from a direction, mm-hmm. or at least you're testing one of those directions. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say content rather than copy in this sense. Like it's mm-hmm. all the content, the, the images, the yeah. information architecture, um, and the words themselves. Yes, and we want to distinguish because we are trying to be persuasive. So it's persuasive mm-hmm. content versus mm-hmm. uh, educational content, etc. Oh, you want to make a distinction there? Yeah. Okay. I did mm. study communication science back in the day, and my peers are often called information officers or communications people, and they tend to focus on text. So I love what you're saying also there about it has to be everything, but people are still focusing on text. And you can see on intranets today that it's about pushing out news, pushing out content, and you feel that, okay, so people are informed because we've put out a text there. And once you start adding uh, and realizing that images and video can do so much more for, for what, how people actually understand your content, that's when stuff starts to happen. But so many are still doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Why is that? Well, uh, you can actually paint more pictures with words than with images or it's easier. So we can move characters around and create pictures. So let me give you an example. Um, Ernest Hemingway is credited with writing the shortest story ever, six words, mm-hmm. for sale, 
baby shoes never used. So those six words mm, yeah. jump into our brains yeah. and they pull out memories of babies, mm. tragedy, mm. our children. Oh, my gosh, what if that happened to me? Six words, most of it unsaid. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty vivid image. Yeah, and layered as well into the yeah. three yeah. sentences. So you kind of build up a visual story as each line comes out. That's right. Mm. That's right. And I get a little choked up yeah. hearing it again yeah. <laughs> for the millionth time. Mm. So uh, I think it's okay to start with the words. It's the most malleable medium to try different things uh, as long as you realize it's not going to end there. So it's like, wow, this really paints a great picture. This needs a picture. Mm. Mm. And you were talking today also about how to find a copywriter or the person who does all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You were describing some qualities and some uh, competencies of that person. And James whispered to me, there's no person like that. <laughs> oh, you're right. I did that. Yeah. No, there are people like that. They're just very expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's interesting when you say about the, the two halves of the brain there. And so you, you generally would find that the people who are good at writing, are, are, oh, they've got a certain dominant side of the brain. And the creative people who are good with the visuals dominate on the other side of the brain. And I'm kind of waiting for psychologists or something near me to mm-hmm. start chuffing up with their opinions. But, um, but yeah, so, so finding someone who's a mix of both those qualities is mm-hmm. difficult. It's mm-hmm. really difficult. But they're very, very valuable when you find them. Yeah, it is. And uh, Roy Williams, who um, uh, put me on the path to some of these things, um, uh, uh, runs a business school in Austin. And their, their idea is that uh, we can do things on purpose that real artists do mm. naturally mm-hmm. or even accidentally. So what we want to do is understand, you know, why things work in literature and art Mm. and bring those to our persuasive practices um, Mm. on purpose. Uh, So it's it's a left brain approach, logical approach Mm. to being more creative almost. Mm -hmm. Mm. But it's something also as we practice and get better at it, um, it becomes part of our our nature. Mm. It becomes know it, it grows that creative side yeah. i think we've got the teaming aspect as well that because it's so difficult to find individuals that are are, are such um polygraphs with all these kind of different skills that you've you've got to develop your ability to see the signs so when you do have your copywriter who is skilled in most of these things you described this morning you've got to be able to pick up these other bits to make sure that you can help them over the line yeah to deliver yeah yeah and uh, you know there's a there's another blind spot in that it's Incredibly hard to write about yourself or your company. Mm. So I've mm-hmm. written, we're redesigning the Conversion Sciences site, and I've written like like 10 versions of copy, mm. each mm. of them dwindling into nothing and not going anywhere, you <laughs> right. know, trying to start creative mm-hmm. and very, very difficult. But if I'm reviewing somebody else's site, I'm brilliant. You know? <laughs> it's their business. It's yeah. their site. And so I think and you can put yourself in the user's shoes much more easily. I, I think so, yeah. because um, I honestly don't know the reason for it. But I think that's mm-hmm. another reason to go ahead and make the effort to find that copywriter um, uh, that's uh, like external mm-hmm. and let them come and not be as committed to you know, saving their job or looking good. Because, you know, I'm pretty self-conscious when mm-hmm. I write. Exactly. I'm supposed to be good at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not always. Mm. So I, you know, uh, finding somebody outside the company gives that copywriter an edge. They don't want to bring their. There's a, 
a phenomenon that happens. I, I call it post-traumatic stress disorder for writers. Mm-hmm. And it is where we write copy and it has the metaphors and the color. And wow, this really proceeds. This is going to be persuasive. Then it goes to the gauntlet of people who mm-hmm. were trained writing proposals who are only reviewing it because they know how to use word. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, this seems kind of out there. This is, oh, I don't, we don't need to. And can we add some adjectives to this sentence? And it's too choppy. We need longer sentences. And by the time they get it back, their baby has been bled all mm-hmm. over and it's, it's traumatic. Yeah. And so eventually they learn just to give the client what they want. And we want, mm-hmm. we don't want that kind of thing. Yeah. You get a lot in large organizations when they have a, they have certain language or certain ways of writing things and saying things, then getting um, innovative texts, texts that maybe push you to another level, get them approved can be a real challenge because they get, like you say, thrown back at you with it. Well, no, mm-hmm. we don't say that. We say this. Mm-hmm. We use that phrase. We use that one. Um, right. And so you eventually, some people will give up and say, "Okay, yeah." Well, and I say measure them in my in my keynote. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a a backhanded way because you say measure them so we make sure that they're good. But the truth is, you're measuring them so you can see how they've improved things. So it's really convincing the organization Mm. that you made the good choice, or it has that potential. Mm. I should say, you still need to get approval to measure, to get it, put it out there in the first place, and that's usually a tough task. I think. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you gave some examples of crazy, wild, wacky copywriting and uh, links cars that we all love, mm. uh, which makes people react, which is more interesting than the average boring copy that most pe- companies use. But getting the company to realize that mm. is is really, really tough. Just I think with 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 Ling is is one of the most important features about her stuff is she's consistent. It, it's, yeah. I mean, you can recognize, I mean, you just see every single time. It's, it's exactly on message, exactly as you'd expect from her. Yeah. doesn't yeah. miss a trick. Every single, <laughs> every single little letter everywhere is exactly what you expect from a link. Well, and think about Yeah, but how... I don't, ex- none of what I see there I expect to see. No, no, so no, no, so no, that's you know what I mean. consistent, in, but yes. In that micro, <laughs> in that micro world of link cars, yeah. it's exactly what you'd expect. Yeah. But when you go there, mm-hmm. it's not what you, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> think about how many people she has to be okay with losing. Mm-hmm. So people with good yeah. money who are looking for a car, yeah. who would rent from her, yeah. but will be put off by her political writings mm-hmm. and stuff. She knows mm-hmm. she's chasing them away yeah. mm-hmm. because she's going to stay focused on this segment that is like, yeah, yeah, I'm renting from Ling because I'm changing the world or mm-hmm. fighting this, fighting the man. I said to you last night that Per um, did an email interview with yeah. her because she's refused to join us on UX Podcast. We've tried a few times to get her to come on. She doesn't think it's sensible to have a Swede, a, a English Swede person, and a Chinese person with a Finnish husband. But she has tweeted to you today. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. she tweeted yeah. quite. I couldn't believe it. So she got wind of what was going on, yeah. and she's always was, really quick. Totally I, I said to you last night about the, one of the keys um, for for Ling is just that she's creating an incredibly efficient um, customer response system behind the scenes, and that she's quick at picking up everything. So she doesn't drop the ball when it comes to someone showing some interest. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree. I think she could make millions. more or if she, um, if she just did some sensible little things here and there. Well, uh, would she or wouldn't she? I mean, uh, you know, if she gravitated and eventually ended up with a site like Avis or Hertz, mm. she would get her lunch eaten uh, by those guys. I think she could still do – she could still be Ling and still do some sense. I mean, the entire website and her um, back end has been built up by basically students, people she's got on the cheap to, to come in and help her while she's building it. I mean – you know, you know, you could do this better if you have some interest. There are some, there are some segments she could bring into the mm. fold with a little bit mm. of difference. And but tweaking here and there. She illustrates the hardest thing for businesses to do, and that is to pick their voice. Mm. 
So we want to be safe. We want to keep our job. And the marketing people want to keep their jobs. They're mm. really not focused on growing the business. The business is going to do whatever it's going to do. Mm. I just need to keep my job. Yeah. Mm. To flip that to we really need to be communicating in a way that is going to change the future. And there's chances it will reduce it. Chances it will improve it. Hard to keep your job that way, <laughs> you know. Mm. But when you find that voice and you pick who you're going to – drive away, then you can start to create this kind of copy and messaging platform that uh, you can grow for long term on mm. and really ride. Mm. Yeah. But it's terrifying. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Even picking conversion science and going with the science thing in, in my business was like, oh, oh am I really right going to do this? <laughs> did you think <sighs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> I did. I yeah. did. I mean, the first, I still, when I walk out yeah. on stage and I have that lab coat on, mm. I know everybody's going, you're kind of expecting, expecting the rotten fruit to fly exactly. across at some point. Yeah, yeah. but it, it ups my game. I have to deliver or yeah. they'll just remember this hokey guy in his dumb suit. Yeah, it's like torn going barefoot. <laughs> Everybody That's finds right. their thing. Yeah. yeah, everybody has their thing. Yeah, And Craig has his accent. I don't know. Uh, Craig swears a lot. That's what <laughs> he does. he didn't wear the orange shoes today. <laughs> Craig... Craig's actually sat about two meters from us yeah. and, and nodding and waving shaking and head and waving stuff. and things. Yeah, but we sensibly have not given a microphone this time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to wrap up this interview, I mean, is there a, the most common mistake people are doing when they're putting content out there? What do you think that is? Oh, I think we hit on it earlier, uh, mm. designing the site, mm -hmm. filling it with lorem, shitsum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, rather than starting with a copy. I mean, that's, that's number one. Mm. I, I'm going to... Come in there and say you start with the goals. Con the, con the copy and content comes just after. I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would agree with that. But a, a copy, but otherwise, that's the one too. Is going to be designing. To that. Yeah, it's the one too, and then mm. we we get into the interaction and the design after that. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks Brian. for joining us. Thanks for having me. I love Stockholm and hope to be back. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the fourth and final interview of the day. Sorry, that'd be enough. They were just babbling about shoes. You should, you should see me pressing buttons over here. We Do you want to take that again? We, we, no, we just no, no, this is the second time I've not been paying attention in these interviews. Sorry. It's me. It's me. Oh. And yeah, uh, no, so fourth and final interview of the day. We're standing here with Natalie Nahai. Did you say that you're Excellent, Perak's Bowman and I'm James Roy Lawson? No, I'm Perak's Bowman. I'm James Roy Lawson Excellent. and you are... Natalie Nahai. <laughs> oh, you can tell it's the end of the day. Yeah. So you just gave an excellent talk uh, about how different genders or the perception of genders in different parts of the world affects how you should actually present content on the web. And culture as well, not just gender. Yeah, yeah, and culture, culture as well. But yes. mm. <laughs> well, I, I interpreted gender because you talked a lot about gender mm. equality mm. and how it was – because I'm, I'm I was thinking Sweden all the time mm. and how I – since we are quite – gender equal in Sweden, I gender, make gender conscious. Yeah, mm. about how to present content. Mm. I assume that it's just as easy in other parts of the world, and apparently it's not. And this was the talk that I got actually the most of from this day, because mm. there was so much I didn't know, so much to be more aware of and to actually dive mm. into and learn more about. Well, I think gender's a funny one. Mm. I think mm. you've just hit on something which mm. is really important, which we forget, which is that... Typically, we tend to see everything from our own perspective, which, yeah. you know, it's just how we do it. It's unavoidable. It. Yeah, of really. course it's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. I think unless you are made to stop and think in your tracks, mm -hmm. how am I 
what's normal for me and how is that different mm. to what's normal for other people, yeah. then yeah. we just make all mm. these assumptions and you kind of, yeah, the mm. world isn't that way. Mm. Exactly. You, you, mirror, you mirror your mm. world outwards yes. because that's what we've been doing since we were born. Mm. Yeah. And you actually introduced a new term, culturability. Culturability, mm. yes. Culturability. It was introduced in 1998, which is... Really? Been, yeah, it's been around a long time. <laughs> no way. But it's just that people haven't really picked it up because yeah. I think people aren't that mm. interested in cultural specificity mm. precisely because we're biased to look at yeah. things from our own perspective. And that's why when I mm. came across it in the research, um, I thought, right, this is something that I need to push out and people mm. need to start using as a term. Mm. It's not a perfect term. No mm. terms are perfect. <laughs> but just to make the emphasis you know, towards mm. culture and towards those differences. And you're also one of those people that you tend to find in the web world. You come from a varied <laughs> background. Oh, yes. You're a musician, artist, psychologist. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Um, so when I was growing up, I was kind of a, an artist and a musician. That's kind of my, my nature. Mm -hmm. And my mum told me, well, you should go and do a psych degree because mm. you're smart enough to mm. do a degree in art and music is not going to pay you, so have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> And my mum's yeah. amazingly smart and very passionate woman. I was like, right, I'm going to, you know, you give me good advice. So I kind of ended up doing that and eventually figured out a way to bring these all together. Mm. And it was through not being able to get a job as a designer in an agency that made me think, oh, God, what, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot, of the, a lot of us in this field have really varied backgrounds mm. because you kind yeah. of think, oh, I could use this, I could use that. But when we were doing university, there wasn't such a thing as analytics. There was computer yeah. science, which yeah. was very a different discipline than it is today. Yeah. So I think this industry that we're in attracts polymaths, attracts people with exactly. high dopamine levels. Well, it requires polymaths. Yeah, mm. it does. The people mm. who can put things together in novel mm. ways. Yeah. Um, we talked about that a little bit so in the rich. green room, didn't we, about the, mm. the, the hunt for the, um, the copywriters or the people who can do several tasks. And it's really difficult because there's not that many span across mm. the entire Spectrum. range. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I think it's excellent um, that you've done a bit like I did as well, that you, you're educated with one thing, but then you manage to combine it with what you're passionate about. Right. Or, and, and that's when you hit these bliss points of really mm. enjoying your work. Yeah, mm. it's like having little pieces of a puzzle and eventually you, you realise how to put them together. Mm. And yeah. then, it's, uh, then that's the, the joy right mm. there. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably why you're so good at what you do. It's, oh. it's, it's having all those Thank different... You qualities and uh, competencies i think well, i think yeah. also in part that uh, well y yes i mean mm. thank you that's very kind but i think also it's in part of the openness that the industry has and the fact that there are these events and you mm. can come for a day and people will tell you what they're doing why it works how mm. it works what their yeah. stats were it's really really open and collaborative mm -hmm. yeah and i kind of thought that was normal, but it is not normal <laughs> across the world <laughs> it's just our yeah. industry yeah. and i think a lot of us excel much quicker mm. because we have that community Mm, you're um, probably right. And you feel, well, I certainly feel really supportive. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. One thing I was thinking about during this is that a few episodes ago, we, um, we talked um, a lot about um, content and international content. Mm -hmm. I think it was, um, it was an article that we read about um, um, when we started. It was the one with just words. It was a plain article, um, just, just text. And it was, oh, yeah. It was talking about focusing mm. on the content, how important mm. the web is words, and it's there you've got to begin. Mm. And um, from that, we spun off onto talking about, um, uh, well, certain languages have longer word formations mm. than others. Swedish, for example, it, it, it bungs together words to make longer words. Like German. Mm. Exactly like yeah. German. So if you do a web design uh, before you've thought through the content, oh, yes. you can create a place for a headline, which looks perfect mm. with your Laura Mipsum uh -huh. or your English. Then you bring in a Swedish word, mm. breaks, doesn't work. Yeah. Bring in a German word, mm. even worse. And there's other languages. Yeah. I mean, Finnish as well. Finnish is another crazy one, one with several vowels in a row mm. and things. And we discussed yeah. about how, how challenging it was to make, a international, well, to make international websites mm. with several languages. What I didn't consider really when we talked about it then mm. 
was what you brought up today, mm-hmm. the cultural aspect. And that this is another dimension that yeah. makes it even more yeah. complicated. I mean, I think it's one of these things where you can either think, oh, that's another thing I have to contend with. Mm. Or you can do the, the risk-taking thing, which is, right, we need an overhaul. Let's start from a foundation of psychology, which yeah. looks at the culture and the individual. Yeah. And then we make a decision and that makes it smarter. So mm. instead of thinking oh, how is this headline going to look? You think, right, what are we communicating? Because that's mm. the only thing we're doing online. Every chance we get, we communicate. We're a social species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you say, okay, well, how are we best going to translate this, com- this, this piece of text that communicates the message more clearly, mm. then the focus isn't on just the design. It has to be on the meaning. Mm. And your starting point is different. Therefore, mm. you'll accommodate it. Yeah. So it's kind of bringing everyone around the table with a common goal and a common foundation. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's when it gets the best results. So we're kind of having to trim the, 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 the perfect... Uh, method again so you start with your goals but instead of then thinking about your content copying content we need to bring in culture you need to bring in psychology psychology as a step after your goals and before you start doing the copying content and then before you do your design yeah yeah not cheap all this year that's right (laughs) well no it is cheap i mean there's loads (laughs) of resources i I blog for free and there's there's no because time 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 is part of the cost (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And, and even if it's not a dollar cost or, or a euro cost or a pound or a mm-hmm. kroner cost, mm. if you're going to do a, 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 well, 40 mm. websites, international mm. company, 40 websites, with this great foundation mm. of, of mm. sorting out the goals, landing pages, mm. exactly what we're going to do in different target groups and the psychology that's needed for them and the languages and the, the right phraseology, because mm. you can't just straight translate certain things. You've got to work out what is the, the local phrase that triggers, like you mentioned, Coca-Cola and mm. having teams on the ground in yeah. each of the countries. That's not but a that budget operation. But that is a shortcut. That's the mm. shortcut. You get a team in the country mm. that you're going mm. for. You say, right, these are the things that we can't budge on. This is the core value. This is the logo of the brand. Yeah. You go and make it relevant. This is the meaning. If you can translate your meaning and your goals mm. to that agency that's on the yeah. ground in that company, you'll get the best results with the least amount mm. of fuss. Because all the assumptions we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. um, they, they will already be doing them subconsciously. Yes, you don't have exactly. to tell them how to do it. Mm, yeah. So if you are bootstrapped, so find a freelance designer, find mm, a student. Like mm. You can really do it on a shoestring. Yeah. And of course, it's not going to... The conversionists would absolutely kill me for doing this. <laughs> but they, you know, you're not necessarily testing it with a big budget, but you will get a lot further, a lot quicker, on a mm. lot less investment. The testing and tweaking comes come later, once yes, you've got your so. 40 websites live. Well, um, also, when you see what, how they've designed... Mm the website and mm. what the conversion rates are on that, then you can start mm. to extrapolate yeah. what's working. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's certainly much better than starting mm. from scratch. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's going to be a challenge there where you need to have some kind of central, uh, holistic mm. overview of your, what your company-wide thing is and yeah. then outsource it, let go to yeah. some of the local that teams. you have to take that leap of let faith. Them, exactly, leap right. of faith. Let them get on with doing what's culturally right there, yeah. but still mm. keep them within some kind of framework that works mcdonald's and coke do that so well because you know everyone knows the coca-cola logo Mm. it's got a 94 percent recognition rate rate Mm. in the whole of the world and it's the second most recognized Mm. word after the word okay people know coke (laughs) but if you go to their website so you look at uh, coca-cola.hk or .jp or .ru Mm. or whatever it is Mm. you'll see that the the websites are dramatically different Mm. why Mm. because they're glocalized Interesting, both those examples with McDonald's and, um, and Coke, mm. they're, they're non-transactional websites. Mm-hmm. Mm, so cool. maybe the emphasis mm. is not, okay, conversions, but mm. it's more about brand building, which yeah. is seen as innately mm. more emotional. Yeah. And campaigns, they do a lot of campaigns. so emotional. Yeah. Conversion is, you know, that's mm. it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's another leap of faith. It's a jumping off a cliff. But you do need finishing. to understand a lot about psychology to implement mm. this kind of thinking. Mm. And when you're a web team working with a website that you already have and mm. own and you're mm. trying to 
make it better in some way. It's so hard with expectations from managers to actually having you produce something yeah. and just saying to them, no, I'm going to spend two weeks just researching. Mm. That doesn't happen a lot. No. no. I think that's when you have to that. tell them the numbers are going to be worth it. Um, exactly. And, and how that, do you, you move that? You have, well, small increments, as we always say, but it's, mm. it's a hard, hard sell, actually. Mm. And, and, and it will certainly have to be prioritized against these other kind of mm. niched um, initiatives that mm. well, you want to kind of put some attention on, whether it's um, oh, the SEO or some kind yeah. of design aspect or some kind of technical aspect. All the aspect. other stuff that goes yeah. first. Yeah, yes. you're going you're yeah. to be faced with this list mm. and someone's going to have to go, well, we do that one now. Yeah. But it's kind of like giving people a bunch of weapons to use without <laughs> telling them why you're using yeah. it. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Here's That's a exactly weapon, here's right. a gun, and then you'll figure out at some point you have to point and shoot. Yeah. God knows yeah. what you're shooting at. Yeah. Mm. If you tell people, right, this is, okay, that's quite a violent example. Mm. I'm so sorry, it's a glass of wine. It's been a long day. Um, but, you know, for instance, for instance. Um, it's the aura in this room. Like, oh, God. Um, yeah. There's no one left to shoot. There's no one left to shoot. Everyone's, everyone's having... For safety reasons, we evacuated the hall. Yeah. It's because they've armed you guys with some beer. God knows what will happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think there does need to be some research. Um, am I allowed to talk about something I'm doing that's Free, that yeah, go for yes. it. Right. Yeah, okay. So, um, so mm. if you're listening and you are a business and you want to do culture-specific stuff, I'm going to set up a lab which will be free, mm. uh, where because that's something I'm really excited about the culture stuff, mm-hmm. where you can basically um, come in with a case study with a business. Say you've got France, Germany, and Spain, and I'll give you free web consulting with the psych principles, test the variables, see what works, and then share that with the group members so that everyone can learn from the insights. That's kind of my goal because I believe that knowledge mm-hmm. should be yeah. useful and free and you know you're talking to two other guys that believe the same yeah yes. so yeah. you know you share and share like so that's kind of that's the yeah. idea that i would like to and that'll be november december so if you're interested get in touch that sounds excellent really, thank really you cool project uh, interesting that mm-hmm. have you um have you got a sponsor for it or have you just allocated no. some of your time for it yes my time right mm-hmm. yeah. it's one of those sort of faith things that no one is looking at culture yet properly yeah. and i yeah. really want them to mh. mm-hmm. yeah. um and some people can't afford it like you say mm-hmm. and i really want the good case study uh, so it's yeah i can honestly say that in in all with all well all the international companies that i've worked with i i can't remember a single time where we've produced uh, cultural templates at mm, the end of the yes. day for different yeah. countries. It's been something produced centrally, and then it'll be generally just rolled out. It's pretty much unheard of, isn't it? I, I've never, I've never been part of it. No, uh, it's no. Um, translation and do, and having local translations. Of course, yes, mm. but it's always based on the same set of templates and same design exactly. that we mm. took. That we took, we we've created centrally somewhere. People take in pride in everything looking the same across yeah. all the different sites. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of this ego-based. Yeah. Everything must look the same. Mm. But we well, saw you're earlier guidelines that yeah. you've got to follow. Like you've someone put a lot of effort and money yeah. into in creating a, a whole website or document yeah. that yeah. well it used to be documents now it's websites mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. this is how many uh, points between you know, the logo and mm-hmm. something else it's kind of a this, cherished something. notion isn't it really yeah. but I think yeah. the thing is with that is that we know that different countries use different usage strategies subconsciously mm-hmm. when using the same website mm-hmm. that in itself has been very well documented yeah. that mm-hmm. should convince you otherwise like yeah. if you're a designer mm-hmm. developer you want to succeed that means making the most effective website mm-hmm. pull your finger out do something about it use some psychology <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she says persuade them mm. yeah <laughs> you did use another quote today i don't mm. remember who you referenced but we've talked a bit about before persuasion and deception yes. and the difference between oh, that robin dreek ah, he's a fabulous man the difference between persu- persuasion and deception is mm. intent yes the yeah. difference between persuasion and manipulation is manipulation, intent yeah. and intent yeah. if you have a positive intent mm. for your customer which is a business if you mm. want to succeed and if you're generally a good person yeah. which mm. most of us are mm. 
you want the best for them, you want mm-hmm. the best for you, and that should be mutually inclusive. Yeah. So you're So it's intense. If you're if you're intending mm-hmm. to screw people over, you will end up you know screwed over yourself and it's you know yeah. for those of you thinking about it don't do it <laughs> be good use psychs for you know for the power of good yeah completely agree <laughs> business with integrity that's um yeah good motto for us all yeah. to have yeah and on that note i think it's time to go mingle with uh, all the attendees let's mingle and we're back <laughs> <laughs> sorry pal i couldn't resist it <laughs> We're always back. We're always back. Yeah, of course we are. Uh, as everyone knows now. Um, oh, that's um, Well, there were four interviews that were recorded at Conversion Jam 3. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent re- fun. Really, really good fun. Really interesting stuff. Well, one thing I really like about the um, Conversion Jam conferences is the fact that you have a room with 300 plus people who care about tweaking and improving their websites mm. to make them more effective for their businesses. In it, yeah, it is. It's very different from a UX conference. Yeah, in fact, most of the other conferences mm. um, um, that we, we go to, where it, it, the, the, it's very uneven. There's people with very different levels of maturity in their organisations, different levels of maturity of them or uh, stages of um, for themselves where they are in the whole digital world. Um, yeah. Whereas the conversion gang, they've come a whole you know a whole long way down the road and they they, they know that it's about the details mm. and like, extremely aware of the benefits of, mm. of optimizing as well yeah the, i mean it's an endless stream of of uh, case i mean it's, uh, it's a conference with more case studies i think any other case, uh, conference I've, i i mm. go to uh, you're getting you're getting presentation after presentation which is showing you this improved our um, sales by 10%. Mm. This improved our, our sign-ups or whatever by 15%. Mm. This by 3%. This lowered it by 20 Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and you can't predict it. it. I mean, some of the stuff is crazy, and it's mm. increasing your optimization yeah. rate. And some, some stuff seems logical, mm. and it's decreasing your conversion optimization mm. rate. So, yeah. I, I think the, um, the, I, I love the, the fact that it makes you think about the, the different dimensions to do with user experience and optimization of, of, of oh, achieving goals um, for the website. So it's not just flat. It's not just about a web page with a goal. Um, I think the, the great example we had was the, um, the quick search for travel, for, for, was it um, holidays or flights or something? Mm-hmm. It was an example where um, the type of quick box you needed on the start page of the website um, the most effective was completely different whether you were a new visitor or a repeat visitor. Oh, yeah. This was just mm. a box on a web page, mm. but the optimal version of it mm. varied depending on your visit status. And I know Tone loved to mention that things can differ depending on what day it is. You're right. So it all depends on even what day you're that's doing your testing, because right. that, that can change how people behave. Wasn't it a green and a red button? He said that yeah. the, the green button, for this particular test they did, the green button worked better on um, Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. They were guessing because people were more relaxed and laid back or something. <laughs> uh, whereas on Mondays, the red button was by far the winner yeah. because people were more kind of mm. well, onto it, wanting to get some stuff done now. Really strange. It's fascinating that you, you, yeah, you can have things that you think is best practice, but when it boils down to it, you have to test and you've got to try out variations and learn yourself what works for your mm. website and situation. So that, that has actually got me thinking a bit about the conversion clinics and the stuff we do that mm. we have to critique other people's sites mm. when you have just a few minutes mm. that really is impossible and we <laughs> should realize it that i mean 
<laughs> since we all agree that you can never predict what will work and what would not, and you really have to get to know your target group, mm. just, I mean, you're shooting from the hip anyway. Mm. So, the, the, I mean, the advice you give may actually hurt more than it helps. Mm. I mean, there are some baseline stuff that you, you've, yeah, is true no matter what site you're doing. There's certain usability things, perhaps, which perhaps. well, I, th- no, I think there is a certain amount of usability mm. stuff that you, um, it does work across mm. the board. But and there's also the ethical stuff. And, but yeah, oh, yeah. but what actually the, the one thing that blew my mind on this conference was mm. the thing that uh, we saw. I think Tone showed it actually at the conference, mm. but it was also at the pre-jam. Uh, this example of having a light box that with oh, actually yeah. absolutely no purpose, mm. but to have a click. Go to the website. That made me feel uneasy. Yeah, and it increased the conversion rate I didn't by feel good quite about a lot, that. like thirteen, fourteen. Oh, it was mad. Yeah, and this was utterly uh, I mean, pointless. I, I would layer. never, I would never give that advice to anyone. I couldn't do it. No, well, exactly. But if it, if it's better business, if it earns a company more money, right. isn't it then our job as such to kind of oh, we're balanced. This is again about mm, balancing business yeah, and user it's needs. Really balancing. I mean, stuff. that's an extra click. So we're mm. getting in the way. We're we're adding a hurdle, mm. and. That hurdle earns a company more money, but we're lowering. We're making it more complicated for a user. Yeah, oh. we're making more. Com- well, it's not complicated. It's oh. just one extra click. No, but the, the psychological benefit there. The, the psychological benefit is there that you put more energy into the mm. being to, at the site, so you're actually more likely to spend mm. more time at the. You site. You invested more yeah. into going forward. Yeah. Well, for, oh, what I thought was um, my biggest take on, I guess, from the entire day. Well, two days if you include our pre-jam. Yeah. Um, was um, Natalie's talk um, yeah. about um, bringing up culture and psychology, right. and you know, I've 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 jumped up, I've, I've ignored, that. I haven't thought about that uh, often enough. I mean, I'm aware of course behavioural psychology when mm. we're doing this all the time, but but just when you're kind of going through the stages of of what needs to be done, that kind of mm. optimal process, and uh, we talk about, we, I nag an awful lot about setting up your goals and make sure you've got clear goals, yeah. not only for the websites but off of web pages or so on. Um, and then we've 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 had a massive amount of talk recent years about content strategy and importance of content. We've talked a lot about uh, yep. content on the show, and the words are, in, are crucial. But we we've we've missed out culture and psychology as a as a step in between there. That I completely agree. It's something that I miss yeah. all the time. It's not yeah. not nothing. It's not never on the agenda really. No, no. I've been and it should be a lot more. Yeah part of all these international rollouts of you know mm. we do central templates in, in, from here in Stockholm or somewhere if we're part of that project mm. and then we just repeat the process rinse and repeat or not even rinse we just mm. repeat the process for country after country after country right. without, without really thinking about how did that how does it work in that country <laughs> what do we need to do in that country that's specific specific for them mm. so that we we achieve the best results mm. hardly ever never basically in my mm. experience well, I bought her book, and you wrote an insightful blog post that I'm yeah, recommending was, everyone to read, actually. Thank you. I was really inspired by it all, yeah. so I, I got into that on on Friday evening. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent my Friday night. <laughs> Excellent. But, um, but no, I, I urge everyone to think about this, and I, um, I've, I've ordered Natalie's book as well. Good. Mm. So I'm, I'm guessing this will be a topic that we'll bring up more in the future, actually. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going to be uh, thinking about that and re- and and bring it up when I'm mm. preaching. <laughs> yeah, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, that wraps that up conversion jam lot, three. A lot of content in this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. I hope yep. you stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, big big thank you to uh, the conversion jam people, the conversionista and his yep. team, John Eggman. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, all the speakers and uh, doing these interviews. It's and, been and letting fun. us speak to them. We we, yeah. we managed to speak, as you know, to four of the five mm. um, keynotes. Mm. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have enough time for the fifth. But we'll we'll catch him on we'll Skype. Catch hopefully, him. yeah, we we're going to catch up with uh, <laughs> Andre another yeah. time. Um, and thanks to Valtech as well. Oh yeah, for uh, having in the venue for the event on, for the pre jam. Yeah, was fantastic. That was really good. Really, really short notice, and, and so many people that came. It was so much yeah. fun. I heard you all go out there and do last-minute kind of pre-conference events. Yeah. It's really, really <laughs> good fun. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess the only thing to say is remember to keep moving. And see you on the other side. <laughs> yes. And that is not recorded. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can play that again in a minute. Yes, I'm going to play that all yeah. over again many times. You've been listening to UX Podcasts with James Royal Lawson and Pear Axeboom. Visit uxpodcast.com for more episodes and to subscribe to the show. UX Podcast, moving the conversation beyond UX. Thank you.